0: It's time to stop reimagining things and actually start changing them. Tune in to Recalibrate with Samsung, where we'll discuss how technology is changing the way we work, connect, and live our lives. This episode of Recalibrate continues a conversation with Keith Fuentes and Mark Irwin of Samsung Knox and Reed S. Stryker of Samsung B2B Marketing. In part two, the conversation on digital transformation turns to security and the looming what ifs of a more connected world. Let's jump in with your host, Jason Claybrook. So, from a networking perspective,
1: what is the biggest risk that you see? To those devices just being you know as granular as possible Wi-Fi now that goes back to our micro segmentation conversations but um, uh, why is Wi-Fi the risk in your opinion
2: Because it's really easy for somebody to get into Wi-Fi and sit there and sniff traffic if you don't have encryption set up on your device and encryption from the device out to wherever that traffic's going and you jump on a public Wi-Fi Somebody can sit out there on Wi-Fi with tools, sniffing Wi-Fi, and just collect your data all day long.
3: This is a great point. And you might say, so what? No, actually. We met with a shipping company and its CEO who was asked the question, why are you still the acting CEO? You've got so much money. Why haven't you retired? And he said, you know, if you're a large shipping company, you see everything. It's like the Matrix. You know what's going on before anybody else does. He goes, I can tell you when generals are being promoted because they ship things are happening i can see the records going from one base to this base which is the base that determines hiring and i can tell you from the shipment that guy just got promoted i can see people who are getting divorced before they even announce it to their family because they start to ship things in the shipping business tells you everything that's a wi-fi router if i can watch the packet data transfer if i can watch the things that are happening i get intel i get information i can see what's going on so it's kind of like the matrix and Neo looking at all this code that most of us would start nose bleeding at But if you know what you're looking at, Mm. it's giving you data that you couldn't exist. So a a, a Wi-Fi router is important, it's exciting, and it's powerful, but it also can be a threat if it's not harnessed properly. So if you can control the endpoint, for example, you're gonna wanna use that Wi-Fi router, but you wanna make sure your endpoint, when using that Wi-Fi router, will give you maybe an added layer of security or another mask so that it can prevent those that are sniffing and watching getting anything actionable.
1: And, and I'll tell you, there's a better way to deploy a Wi-Fi network. I've got a lot of experience Great. in this. So we've got this, really, it's a Layer 7 gateway that takes in dynamically, in large areas, public Wi-Fi areas, micro segments the network down to a per-user level. Now, the whole reason that's super important, it, it does a lot of things. It reduces the amount of overhead traffic, makes the network more efficient, however, in public networks, they'll put in a slash 24, slash 23 for, for an IP block where a bunch of people are connected. If we're all in the same Wi-Fi network, our devices are visible to one another. When you micro-segment that layer two of the OSI stack, mm-hmm. now, Keith, you're in your own private area network. Mark, Reid, myself, mm-hmm. I cannot see your device. Good. And we're taking so the security domain. And we're creating a slash 29 or a slash 30. Right. IP address block for you yep. but the only person you can harm is yourself <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah
1: self-inflicted wounds you can't do a whole lot of. but that correct. requires that somebody buys your infrastructure and uses it
3: yeah that's great yeah. oh, well that, that, again
1: <clears throat> that, that's probably- every stack from device into network whether it's Wi-Fi cellular there's a lot of security concerns that you have to <clears throat> excuse me address and there are proper ways of doing yeah. there are ways that are efficient. Um, people look at it as insurance. I know previously you said, don't look at it as insurance.
3: No, I'm, insurance is important. I'm just saying when I go into a customer, sometimes I lead more on the betterment, but in most of the reason budgets allocated to companies to spend anything related to security will be based on policy uh, and assurance and insurance. So that's a driving factor, how policy and budget gets se- separated, but how a buy is an emotional thing. It's not always logical. People buy the why, not the what. So you can name every feature you got, everything you do, people say, so what? TiVo made a great product. They went out of business. Mm -hmm. But everybody has something like TiVo in their DVR because somebody else sold the why. So if you can sell the why, people will get emotionally vested and they'll spend money on it. Insurance is why a lot of budgets get allocated and policy gets written, assurance, insurance, you name it. But if you can show the betterment, then people will find reasons to buy. You can find people that own stuff when they don't even make a lot of money, and you're like, how can they afford to get it? Because they got sold on the Y. They'd find a way. They'll get three jobs if they have to get it. And so it's, it's something that I think, from a security perspective, going back to the Wi Fi question, if you have a device, somebody said, what about the user making the mistake? What scares the most on Wi Fi isn't the one, th- there are people out there that are trying to get to you. Mm-hmm. But there are people that didn't know they've been attacked, and they're bringing in an infected device and it's going to, through botnets or zombie networks, attack me or take over this network. Imagine, you, you've talked an incredible evolution on the Wi-Fi of how you guys have now compartmentalized and isolated and created this incredible ability to put you in your own little tunnel. Imagine if it had a mechanism to verify every device connecting to it if it was hacked or broken at the root. Now if the device has, like we do, an eFuse sitting there that can trip if somebody goes into our basement and we give you ability to at least know if that's been tripped, you could prevent a device connecting to the Wi-Fi knowing that device is not stable. That device is no longer safe. That gives you another added layer of security that you're not bringing a potential threat just by user error that they may not even know about. So you can see how the evolution can grow in the ecosystem when endpoints and middle points and Wi-Fi routers all start to kind of work together in the same mission, which is, yes, increase productivity, increase your ability for user convenience, but do it in a secure way. Give those brakes to make you drive faster.
4: This is something that's – this is a very much an exclusive thing to us. Yeah.
3: It's only us, which is shocking in a way. I mean, the others will say they have other ways they do it. I would ask you go see the certifications. I would say go look at third-party reviews. Don't take anyone's word for it. Yeah. Go make sure that they went out and were common criteria certified or used a FIPS certified algorithm. Make sure the FIPS certified algorithm is on the device they're selling you and the version they're selling you, not 10 years ago. Stuff like that. There's, there's ways you can look at this. Um, to me, when you're looking at what you would want to acquire <clears> – <throat> Think of it from how does it solve your business pain? What is the, the problem you're trying to solve? And then what can they do for you that you don't have to sweat? And if the security has already been handled and been certified and dots that I, crosses that T, and is just sitting there waiting for you to use it, that's Check a big box. benefit. I mean, that's a value you yeah. should pay for. Because if you don't, you'll just pay for it later 10 times.
2: Security, when you get security, the problem is, is that security is not easy. So if you increase security, you decrease productivity typically, but not with us. That's the whole point of what yeah. we've built out. We've made it so easy for everybody is security
3: is a checkbox. If you buy a device. You, you said
1: FIPS uh, for, I'm
3: sorry, <clears> for throat> throat>
1: the other side of the lens. Two of the
3: major certification bodies out there is uh, the Federal Information and Processing Standards, which are FIPS, that are run by the NIST organization, National Institute of Technology and Standards. They will go out and look at, we talk coding and encryption. hmm When you put encryption on a device, there are what's considered the advanced encryption standards, AES, and regulations and rules of how you take the crypto module, how you implement the crypto module, how the key storage, because anytime you use encryption, there will be a key or an access from a user, help desk, administrator, whatever it might be. So you encrypt something and then you kind of wrap it with how you give user access and control to be able to decrypt or review that data. All those things, if they go through a proper lab, Give insurance or assurance to a customer that when they buy this product, it has taken certain steps and levels to make sure it's secure. We were telling before the story of when there was what's called DES, you know, the device Mm -hmm. encryption standard came out. And at the time it was 56-bit. Well, at one point it gets hacked. And when 56-bit DES is no longer viable, what do you do next? So they tripled it, called it triple DES. 56 times 3, it was 168-bit, triple DES. Triple DES was good, and then all of a sudden, they regulated it again in the early 2000s and said, we need an advanced encryption standard. We're going to compete this. Everybody put out 256-bit and above algorithms, um, and the AES standard was formed. So there is actual code bylines and principles out there of what's the proper way to code encryption so that it's safe and it does things in the right protocol. FIPS will go in and review your crypto module, your key storage, and your usage of your encryption and make sure it meets these standards. And from government perspective and usually regulated markets, at a minimum you have to have that if you're dealing with any encryption, period. And then common criteria is NIAP. And NIAP with common criteria, they do evaluation assurance levels and they do other things to look at a security target. And it kind of looks at more than just encryption. It takes FIPS as a foundational piece but it also goes and looks at where's the code stored who has access to that code how are they developing the product implementing that product now we do here at samsung certifications on every flagship device faster than most in the sense that we know that we want to bring technology to the users that need it the most that are doing life and death that are our regulated markets that have your money have personal identification so we got to get them certifications so that they can buy this product it amazes me the amount of technology that's out there that's being used in an enterprise environment that's never been certified or was certified on a previous version, and the risk that's there if someone does break that, especially if that's your job to, to pick a solution that has that.
1: Is there a place where it doesn't matter as much if I'm running a daycare? Does it matter there? I mean, I'm trying it, to think it, of the I, most. I, I, I'm sure innocent. there's
3: instances where because when you do these things, they cost money. So if the money is costing, sometimes the product may cost too. To, to replicate that. So depending on your budgets, depending on what you're trying to do, you may have to take the scale and balance of how much do I want to spend for how much risk. It's all about mitigating risk. So if you believe in what you're doing is for full public consumption and you're not as concerned about security, you may not necessarily look at those certifications. But for us, we're price competitive with doing the certification. So to me, if you aren't going to save money by not doing it, why wouldn't you just do it? Uh, why wouldn't you just take it? No yeah. matter what the role was, because again, it can play in other ways. I, I, that samurai story—you might be bleeding and you don't know it. Yeah, you—you you said daycare. I think it's an extremely important job. If my daughter or child was going to a daycare center, I'd be extremely nervous of what they could be. Uh, seeing or uh, accessible to, or what the caretaker might be taking or entering information on, and if that got out, so I would still see security as an impact on that.
1: Well, and I kind of brought that one up tongue in cheek. So when you start thinking about massive devices coming online and network <coughs> evolution and IoT, you know we've been talking about devices primarily the smartphone, yep, right, but cameras that are in a daycare. Mm-hmm. Or any kind of body sensors that are requiring a level of bandwidth, they have things that they're susceptible to, some kind of hacking, some kind of if there's software on it, it can be broken, it can be broken into. So, you know, maybe not specific to Knox, but when when you're thinking about security and an explosion of IoT devices that are gonna, you know, low low bandwidth devices, how do you how do we start thinking about protecting those network elements alongside our phones.
3: Again, I, uh, each case is unique. I mean, if you have a platform. Traffic sensors. Daycares
1: so, and a camera. Or daycares and a camera. Cameras, cameras and daycare. In the
3: daycare. <laughs> yes. So is the question asking if the camera's in the daycare, how do I protect the information the camera's recording and storing? Or how do I uh, – give me the scenario of what your concern is that might be happening that would be negative.
1: We, we saw a couple years ago uh, baby monitors being hacked. Yep. you know being able to I have a great go into that, a, but it's
3: not appropriate for this video
1: <laughs> you know the video baby monitor and yeah. having some some bad person talking to my kid
3: correct or watching
1: so. or now take that into an enterprise which is a daycare or a public school colleges so Keith touched on this a little bit I'll let him finish up on this if he wants to but I wanted
2: to kind of jump in here I Samsung in general, as we're evolving security across product lines. It really started on our mobile devices, but you, you might see a Knox-enabled toaster down the road. Um, Do I have Knox on my fridge at home? Um, no, but the goal is to have Knox on your fridge at home. That's a serious answer. Um,
3: I started with displays. Oh, yeah, I've got the
2: display on my fridge. TVs, displays, um, IoT sensors, and and we actually are spitting up an IoT um, organization that has access to um, uh, Knox as well. So all of these things need to be protected at the hardware level moving up. Um, And uh, you'll see more and more devices that are going to get that level of protection. Thoughts on that?
3: No, I, I 100% agree. There was a story that just happened yesterday for me. So I was here in Dallas. I was at the uh, Plano office and an alert went off on my phone that in Denver, Colorado, a woman from Florida had just flown in, bought a pump action shotgun and was going to celebrate the anniversary of Columbine by shooting up a school. So they immediately started shutting down all the schools into lockdown. My daughter carries a Samsung device that I personally <clears> bought for her that I can track, that I can see where she's at. She's 10. It has the ability so that I can actually know what she's doing, where she's doing. She knows and understands SOS. So if she needs to use the protocol of, uh, of alerting me that she's in trouble, she can do that. And we were able to track where she was immediately. And my wife was able, who was home, to go to the school because what they did is they locked the children in and you could only pick your child up if you physically came in and got your child out. And um, it, I think this happened on Tuesday is when the we first one out and they did a school lockdown. They canceled school on Wednesday. And the woman was apprehended or she's deceased now but they uh the threat was stopped on yesterday's school without them being in school this is an example of i want to be able to track my daughter but i don't need somebody else being able to track her who shouldn't be so i want to use the technology so that i can do things to assist in that exact scenario but i also don't want to do things that opens her up to a threat of someone that might take that type of information and use it against her or again, and do something that's not right. So, by me understanding technology and embracing security and pushing some t- type of solution, I feel I have a greater control and protection scenario and my an assurance and insurance of what where my daughter's going to be, but at the same time I know that it's done in a fashion that nobody else will use that technology uh, to do some harm.
2: One of the things I want to add on, too, is everything that we've been talking about, we're securing devices, uh, we know that Wi-Fi can be a difficult environment, but that's part of why we're here today is talking about the the evolution of 5G and security there. I mean, you'll probably know this more, but I would expect that at some point base station security is going to have the same level of hardware-backed security and have from the ground up. So, you know, a lot of people may not be aware of this. Uh, There are people that will go out and put up rogue cell sites and your phone will connect to a cell site that thinks it's part of a normal carrier network. we we see a world where base station security evolves in such a way where the device knows that it's talking to a secured base station and not a rogue base station that's Andrew. out there.
3: I tell the story that people ask me how significant is five G, and I say, go back in history. We'll go back to Rome in a positive way. Why was the Roman <laughs> Empire? Why was the Roman Empire so powerful? Most people say the military. If you ask historians, it was because they invented something that hadn't been invented before called roads. Mm -hmm. And when they invented the roads, they created a mechanism to move the military and to feed the military and to tool them up with what they want them for their weaponry in a way no one else could, and the Roman Empire just grew vastly. Eisenhower comes into Germany and sees something when he's invading. We'll call it the Autobahn. He sees an expressway that we don't have. So when he comes back, he invents the expressway. Instead of having to take 66 to get west, here comes I-80, here comes I-70. And what did roadways do?
4: Here comes the Eisenhower. Trucking,
3: shipping, <laughs> the Eisenhower corridor, the, the Eisenhower yeah. tunnel, yeah. That, everything. I and that. so you start to see what happens when you invoke a roadway or a transportation mechanism or a communication mechanism or a pipe or a bandwidth in a way that's not been seen before. Mm -hmm. To me, 5G is like roads to the Romans and roads uh, expressways coming back to the States. But there's a byproduct effect that's really positive that doesn't get talked about. Remember when 4G hit? 3G got faster. When the users start to leave one to go to the other, the other gets more bandwidth. So 5G is not only gonna give you the 5G pipe, which is amazing, 4G is gonna go much faster as more and more 4g devices migrate to 5g so it's very and interesting that that doesn't get talked about enough in some of what they're seeing
1: well in in 4g continues to evolve today correct you know we're seeing gigabit speeds on 4g networks yeah. now so and and imagine it's, if it's a, a third of the
3: devices move right and that bandwidth is going to be available
1: right freeze up channels frees up the spec, uh, yeah. space uh, running split mode in the same base station where there's 4G and 5G, so that if you're a 5G device, hey, you connect 5G. If you've got a couple-year-old device,
3: I'll give a Spider-Man reference. With great power comes great responsibility, right? And the when Spider-Man. they look at oh, it Star Wars, That was Spider-Man. It was, it was Spider-Man the, the, the three yeah. they threw out. Did but it
1: make its way in the Game of Thrones?
3: Nah. Uh, well, Game of Thrones is a whole different story with this. But, but but the point was is that people look at 5G and will tell you all the fears of now these attackers are gonna have a pipe and an access to data. The beautiful thing is the pipe is so big and speed is so quick, the security can get that much stronger too. So it's going to be one of those things, if you bring me dragons, maybe I'm gonna bring something that can take a dragon out and I can use it now because you've introduced a technology that didn't exist before and I'm gonna utilize some of that technology in the same way. So bigger band with bigger pipe also means better security and stronger security and bigger algorithms and bigger crypto modules because it can support that type of processing, that type of mechanism needed.
1: And more dragons. And more dragons. There you go. How do you take out a dragon?
3: How do you take out a dragon? Yeah. Well, it depends. You, you can need use a big, big crossbow count, a uh, big arrow that's really strong. Or, again, uh, in Game of Thrones, there's what's called white walkers. And when they kill you, you become a part of their army. Zombie bot networks. So if you look at attacks today in the network, a lot of them, what they want to do is they want to go into your device, infect it, and turn your device into one of the army of the dead, or them. That's what Game of Thrones talks about. Game of Thrones has this enemy that can't just, not only are they already dead, so good luck with that, you can only do a couple ways to kill them, but if they kill you, you join them, like a zombie. If they bite you, you become them, so their army is going to grow. So those that don't want to protect themselves, like in a digital world, are a bigger threat to you than just the enemy who's coming for you. Because those that aren't protecting themselves are going to be your future threat because they're going to join the army that did. They're going to go into that bot network when they get infected, and then they become your enemy as well. So you've got to not just protect yourself. You've got to convince everybody else that's in your ecosystem you need to protect yourself too because you're a threat to me, whether or not you do. Same story.
1: Back to the user. I feel that way with my daughters. <laughs>
3: you know what one of the biggest threats in homes was? Playstations and uh, Xboxes. Nobody was protecting them in the beginning when they came out. They're sitting online. They're plugged They've into your cameras, networks. They got cameras. They
2: got mics. They got
3: cameras, mics. They know when you're home. They know when you're not home. And if you were an attacker, why would you even mess with the Wi-Fi router? Just hit the Xbox. Hit the PlayStation. It's always on.
1: Can you give us the clarifying statement? Um, yeah, we're gonna cut that out, right?
3: <laughs> no, <laughs> no just, i
2: uh, a game system. But, but I we do
4: like Xbox. Hey, I have an Xbox. It's a great system. I have a PlayStation as well. Also, a great system. Uh, no, it's a valid thing, man. The the, uh, the camera. I know I unplugged that um, from the uh, what was I called? Connect the Connect. Thank you. Yeah, I, I unplugged that thing. I, I put put it in once because you could talk to it. And you could like turn my TV on or something. I can't remember. There was like an interface to it. It was to... It was before Cortana, though. It was like whatever Xbox. Xbox's thing. yeah. And uh, I just remember feeling feeling super uncomfortable while I was, because you would sit on the couch and you're playing a game and you're just like, I know you're looking at me, whoever you are. <laughs> <laughs> and
3: I just, In I, the basement.
4: I, yeah, I just, I had to unplug it. I felt really weird about it. And like the uh, the, the Kinect games were kind of, they were a little goofy and they didn't really work that well to begin with but um that the, the concept of having like a camera on you 24 hours a day this is before like twitch was everywhere and like people and they live stream literally their entire lives on twitch and like make money doing it, it's kind of crazy. that's a
1: millennial but, thing right
4: uh i, I technically i gen should z? know i think that's a gen z thing man i don't think i don't think it's a millennial thing i think it's gen z uh but the uh, this is before before the day but you talked about this so, like in healthcare and all the other industries digital transformation the whole world is is going to be so different in like 10 years it's kind of unbelievable and like security is a huge huge piece of that because what we think like talk about like uh, my father's generation Um, And then like the Gen Xers, as far as like not trusting and needing, having to make sure that we have security and like, I'm never going to give you anything digital. It's going to be on paper. And then you get to like my millennial generation. Paper's really secure. And it's like, yeah, sure. Yeah, right. It's really (laughs) secure. Yeah. The concept of like millennials doing everything digitally and then that kind of snowballing And you look at like where social media is with everybody putting everything on Facebook or on Instagram and uh, Snapchat as well is another uh, huge, very popular one. Uh, I really do believe in the future you're going to have just like nobody even having a concern like we have now about like what information you're you're sharing. Because we're going to have security at a point where I think people are going to feel more comfortable having a camera somewhere because we know it's going to be safe. Because that was my thing. I didn't want a camera in my living room. Because I didn't know who was going to be looking at me. But if like, we had security, like we have security now, I'd, I would probably have my Kinect still installed.
2: It was me, and it wasn't that exciting. <laughs>
4: <Okay>. <laughs> and by the way, you're terrible at Madden. <laughs> <laughs> you lost all the time. You
1: had, you had every right to They were watching your
3: playbook after your camera. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: really cool. oh, trim and show. Yeah. All right, guys. Thanks for coming in and tell all you. Mo- GeneX. Wow. Right on. <laughs>
3: wow. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Oh, Thank you. Thanks for
1: coming in. Keith, it Mark, Reed. Dr. Reed. Thank you Reed. very much. Security's
3: your friend. Yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of Recalibrate. For previous and upcoming episodes, or for more of our content, you can head to samsung-networks.com or you can find our podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify.